Okay, we're going to take a couple minutes to share with you how to respond when people say to you that the Bible is corrupted, okay? Okay. Um, 2 Timothy 2.2 says, and the things you heard, teach others. So please, I'm challenging you to get people through Bridges Study. If they can't come to Bridges Study, let them get the training because we want to multiply. We don't want to stay. We're not keeping this information. We want to give it away. Muslims will say, hasn't the NGO book corrupted? Or isn't the Quran a replacement of the NGO? And I'm sure you've heard that, you know. Uh, one guy told me, if I have the newspaper of today, why do I need the newspaper of yesterday? A computer engineer in the University of Toledo, I was sharing the gospel there, he said to me, Fuad, if I have Windows number four, why do I need number one, two, and three? Because according to Islam, Islam teaches that God sent Moses with the Torah. Then God sends David with the Psalms. Then God sends Jesus with the Injil. And then God sends Muhammad with the Quran. Now when the Quran says all books are, the are equal and must be followed, the Imams say the first one was changed, so God sends the number two book. The second one was changed, so God sends the third book. The third book was changed, so God sends the fourth book. You tell them, what if the fourth book gets corrupted? They say, oh no, God keeps his word. What? what? You know, like, but... But you can't, you can't say that Quran can be corrupt. So, you, so now you're understanding more the Muslim mindset. There is fear, there is shame, but also there's this idea that number one, two, and three have been messed up, so number four is here. That's why I bring the conversation to God. Instead of logic, I'll bring the conversation to God first. If God sent them, God must keep them. So this is what I'm going to share with you today. Chapter 2, verse 136. This is what the Quran says. We believe in Allah and the revelation given to us, to Abraham, Ismail, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribes, and the revelation given to Moses and Jesus. So according to the Quran, who wrote the Bible? God wrote the Bible. So when I'm asking my friend to read the Bible, I'm not asking him to do anything wrong. Many times I'm saying, I tell him, I'm helping you be a good Muslim. Because as a good Muslim, you have to read the book of Jesus and the book of Moses. See what I'm saying? And when they say to me, you want to become Christian? I say, no, I just want you to read the book. You've never seen this book probably. See what I'm saying? And push the issue that way. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I always give them New Testament unless they ask for the old. If they want the whole Bible, I'll give it to them. It's okay. Um, uh, funny story, I was doing training in Indianapolis. At the break, this engineer walks up. He's a Palestinian engineer. He had an English Bible. On the outside said, red letter Bible. He said to me, I only believe in the red letters. <laughs> you know what the red letters are? Are the words Jesus. I said, okay, you follow the red letters. We're okay. We're <laughs> We're cool, okay, right? Is that what you say in America? We're cool. Like, like he's trying to tell me, like, you know, Paul and Peter. Okay, follow the red letters. Do you want to understand Romans? You really want to understand Romans? Understand the parable of the prodigal son. Read the writings of a professor called Dr. Kenneth Bailey, who was my teacher. If you understand the parable of the prodigal son, basically it's the prodigal two sons. Basically, it's not about... The sons, it's about the waiting father. But if you clearly understand it culturally, you understand Romans. 
If you understand the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, you understand Galatians and Ephesians. So when people talk about, you know, all Peter and Paul wrote, they wrote exactly from the teaching of Jesus. All they did was like a sermon. It was like expanding. So it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a smokescreen, as you say in English. They're trying to distract us. And for this engineer who's trying to be, you know, a hot child, saying to me, oh, I only believe in the red letters. Great. Let's, what do the red letters say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So now this is the Quranic verse also that says there's no God but the living, self-sustaining, eternal. It is he, God, who sent down to thee, Muhammad, step by step in truth, the book. That's the Quran. That's referring to the Quran. What's the next verse? Confirming. In Arabic, it says musaddikan. Confirming. The Quran never says it came to the place. So that's why many times I say, I wish they read the Quran. It's on my side, many, many places. Now, the Quran has issues. Some verses are good. They're on our side. Some verses can be scary. Chapter 9, chapter 47, chapter 48, on killing and war. It's problematic. But this verse here is beautiful. And then it says, confirming what went before, and he, God, sent down the law. In Arabic, it says Torah of Moses and the Injil of Jesus. So when you're talking to a Muslim, don't ever be ashamed to share the New Testament. They might say to you, what do you think of Muhammad? I always, I always say, oh, Muhammad taught about one God. Muhammad taught that God sent Jesus and the Injil. Would you like to read the Injil? We're done with Muhammad. Khalas. Don't give him more than five minutes on him. Fine, what do you want to talk about Muhammad? They tell you, oh, he was a great guy. Okay, what did he teach about Jesus? Oh, they tell you Muhammad said that Jesus is a messenger, that he had a message, he was the word of God, he never lied. Well, great. Will Jesus lie? No, here's his book. See, you bring the conversation to where the real issue is. The issue is not whether Muhammad is a nice guy or not. There's a lot of nice people. I mean, believe Dr. Graham is a great guy, but he can't save me. Only Jesus saved me, you know what I'm saying? So the, the idea is you, you spend enough time to bring it to Christ. The reason I'm giving you these verses so you have courage when you talk to your Muslim friend that I'm offering the Bible, there's nothing wrong. I'm offering a book where the Quran says it's from God. When he says it's been changed, He's not insulting me only, he's insulting God. Messiah. Yeah, Messiah. Yeah. You have to follow him. That's where, that's where many times I was at Starbucks 10 days ago. My wife loses me and she finds me at Starbucks. <laughs> There's two, two she knows. Like, it's, it's, so I'm walking, and these guys, I'm going in, and these guys look like my cousin. So I said, they're Muslims. Salam alaikum. We're talking, and the guy goes, well, you know, as Muslims, we cannot be Muslims without believing in Jesus. I said to him, oh, so you read his book? He goes, no, you've corrupted it. I said, do you follow his teaching? He goes, no. I said, basically, you don't believe in Jesus. You believe like you and I believe in Napoleon. You know, yeah, we believe he's existed. We don't follow his teaching. That's why it bugs him with Islam. It's lip service. If they really believe in Jesus, they should be distributing his book. Remember that story I told you about Spain? <laughs> we were standing there. This guy comes up. Salaamu alaikum. Salaamu alaikum. Salaam. He said to me, what is this? I said, the book of Jesus, the Injil. Would you like a copy? He said to me, no, I'm a Muslim. I said, you're a Muslim? Great. Muslims believe in one God. He said, yes. I said, the Muslims believe that God sent Jesus. He said, yes. I said, the Muslims believe that Jesus had the Injil. He said, yes, we believe that. I said, okay, come help me give out the Bible. 
You should see his face. You're like, I can't do that. I said, why not? It's God's word. Come help me. So he left. The next day, it was a very hot day. I mean, nobody was out on the street. It was only my friend and I talking. And I see him coming. Salam alaikum alaikum salam. He says, can I take the Injil? I said, sure. Why did he come the next day? Because it was hot and nobody was watching him. But instead of him saying to me, I'm a Muslim, I could have responded, oh, you're Muslim? You're going to burn in hell. It's 10,000 degrees there. No, I switched on him saying, oh, you're like me. You believe in one God. Now, I know it's not the same God, but they tell them it's the same God. Well, great. You, you, that's why I said instead of being a boxing match, you build on the common ground. Okay? That's number one. Number two, the biggest problem today in reaching Muslims, we always stay on the common ground. We always, common ground, oh, they love Jesus, we love Jesus. We need to move beyond common ground to building bridges. That's why we call the, the study bridges. Bridges is you take a common thing and then you build a bridge so your Muslim friend can cross. You don't want him there. No, Islam is not going to solve the problem. So you, you start with the common ground, but you move beyond it to building a bridge. That's the danger of Muslim evangelism. And when I share about reaching Muslims, I'm not sharing just from my experience. I go back to my father and my grandfather. Everything being done now in Muslim evangelism, everything, it's been done in Lebanon. There was a guy, every time he would baptize Muslims, he'll change their name from Muhammad to Stephen. Why? 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 What's wrong with the name Muhammad? It's okay. Let's Christianize the name, as you say in English. So the idea is, when you're telling them to follow the Bible, there's nothing wrong. Now, I'll, I'll, this, is what, this is how they see it. change. Now the leaders will say the Injil has gone through many versions and the real meaning has been lost. Some will say that Christians have hidden any references to Muhammad. But these claims, there's no research. Like there's nobody coming up saying, oh, here's a New Testament that we found that mentions Muhammad. In 1979, there was a Dr. Bedawi in Canada wrote a book. And he took the John, uh, where John 14, where Jesus says, I'm sending you the comforter. And he said that the comforter was Jesus. Okay, what does the comforter do? Yes, what does the comforter do in the Bible? He's the Holy Spirit. What does he do? Point the way to Jesus. Does Muhammad point the way to Jesus? Okay, what else does the Holy Spirit does there? He's the counselor. Does Muhammad counsel us? No, he's dead. It says that he will live in us forever. Muhammad doesn't live in us forever. So whatever this guy, the comforter, is not Muhammad, because Muhammad is dead, and you visit his, his tomb when you go to pilgrimage. So that's the fun part, is when they use these words, you have to take him to task. It's okay. Take him to task. Say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. So who wrote the Bible? God wrote the Bible, not Paul, not Peter. You know, people say, well, Paul says. Paul says nothing. It was the Holy Spirit who told Paul to write these things. It's very important that you and I understand that God breathed on the disciples. God led them to, to write the Word of God. Now, the Christian perspective, God inspired the writings, and God will keep His Word. Why? Not only to enlighten us, but to able to judge us. Give you an example. If there's no speed limit, how will people be judged? How do I know if I'm going, you know, 
I'm Lebanese. I could be driving like a Lebanese under bombs, going 90 miles an hour, you know? Well, the policeman would say, look, the speed limit says 75, 65. Now, I heard that Wyoming doesn't have a speed limit. Is that true? Every Lebanese in America tells me I have to go drive there. <laughs> in Lebanese, you know, Wyoming has, now has a speed limit. Yeah, good. <laughs> they were worried from all these Lebanese guys flying down the highway. But, but the idea is God will keep his word because judgment day is coming. Do Muslims agree with us? Yes, they believe in judgment day. Muslims, many easy, it's easier to talk to Muslims about Jesus because they're always afraid of judgment day. Because on judgment day, there's a scale. Whichever way it tips, good or bad, you go to heaven or hell, and then they tell you God can change his mind. Even if you're a good Muslim, God can still change his mind because God is sovereign. So even if you're a good Muslim, they tell you, are you going to heaven? They say, inshallah, I hope so. While 1 John 1, 9, that's a beautiful verse. 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to do what? To forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My brother, my sisters, you are forgiven now. So I told you my grandfather got saved in America. His first son was called Amin, means faithful. His second son was called Adil, which means just. So they will say, Pastor Masri, why did you call your children Amin and Adil? He would say, because if we confess our sins, God is Amin and Adil. He would tell people, every time I call my children, I know my sins have been forgiven. So it's amazing concept. See, we have different concepts. So God will keep his word to judge us. Now, the many versions, NIV, RSVP, oh, these are translations. You don't like the English translation. Read the Bible in Hebrew and Greek. I studied Hebrew and Greek, and I can read in original language. So if, if they are so sincere, great. Study it. Now, what you want to do is, I'll come to this point. You want to create love around this and compassion. Don't use it as an argument, but move the conversation in a, on a good pace. So, hey, you believe in God, we believe in God. God sends the books. How are we going to respond in a way that helps them, you know, see the uniqueness of Jesus? So we respond theological, logical, historical. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover theological, and part of logical, and then we'll take some questions before we head out. But when a Muslim tells you the Bible's been corrupted, memorize this verse. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. There's a deeper study on this in session five of Bridges. Uh, if you want to watch it by yourself, that's fine. The Bridges leader kid is here. I would recommend also you join the class. Is Dan here today? Dan is leading it. Please talk to him about coming to the class. But this is all in session five. Okay? Once a Muslim says to you the Bible has been corrupted, you must respond, Astaghfirullah, or God forbid. And then ask, who is stronger, God or humans? If a person believes that humans have changed God's word, this means humans are stronger than God. That is impossible. See, the struggle with Muslims is this. Muslims say they are believers in one God. They're not atheists. If I'm on the University of Nebraska and some professor wants to argue, does God exist, whatever, fine. We can talk logic, but Muslims brag they worship one God. Muslims brag they love God so much. Look at them. They are willing to die for the Prophet. Okay, if you love God so much, how dare you insult him? This is an insult. So you bring the conversation theological. The danger for me was always a trilogical, try to argue. With the, you know, people say the Bible is corrupted. Well, the Quran is corrupted. Let me show you why. 
Why do you want to go to the Quran? We don't, this is my sandbox. I know my sandbox. My sandbox is the word of God is mightier than double-edged sword. So why not bring him to the sandbox? Oh, great. You're saying the Bible has been changed? God forbid, you're insulting God. We're giving out Bibles uh, one year, talking to people, and two guys come up, Mustafa and Munir. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Mustafa says to me, uh, what are you giving? I said, we're giving the book of Jesus. He said to me, well, it's been corrupted. So I took a step back, like lightning is going to strike, and I said, astaghfirullah. I looked at Munir. I said, Munir, Mustafa is saying that humans are stronger than God. That's impossible. So Munir looks at Mustafa and says, you be quiet. I'll take care of this guy. <laughs> what bugs me is I didn't say anything. I didn't offend anyone. He looks at me and goes, I memorized one-fourth of the Quran. They call it Hafiz. Did they, did they introduce you any Hafiz? Yeah, they memorized the Quran. Hafiz, if they memorize the Quran. I said to me, I memorized one-fourth. I said, great. MashaAllah means, you know, God bless you. He said to me, I'm going to recite the chapter of Eunice. I said, sure. So he's reciting, what do you think I'm doing? I'm praying. This is God's battle, not my battle. So I'm started praying. The guy started forgetting the verses. He fumbled. He got upset and left. When he left, Mustafa looked at me. He goes, can I get a Bible? I said, sure. <laughs> Why Mustafa changed so quickly? Because it was Munir there. Munir was the fanatic. Mustafa is just there because he's just, you know, in, in the process. So instead of attacking Islam, I showed them my, my, my book is worthy. So it could be you're having tea with your friend. And she might say, well, you know, the Bible has been changed. You might say, well, I'm sorry, I thought you were a Muslim. And she might say, oh, yeah, I'm a Muslim. Well, don't you believe that God is more powerful than humans? You know, each situation is different. You don't have to do it the same way I'm doing it. I'm just saying, use that kind of line of thinking. A lady, her name is Danielle. Danielle lives in Michigan. She lives in an area with a lot of Yemenis. And she took our training. And one day, she became friends with the daughter of the local imam. And they, she invited her to her house because there's a, someone visiting from Yemen. So she said to me, I was in this room. There was like packed, maybe 60 people in the room. And she's sitting next to the Yemeni girl. And the Yemeni girl is translating from Arabic to English to her friend Danielle. So the visiting imam is talking and he said, and the Bible has been corrupted. Once he said that, Danielle in Arabic said, Astaghfirullah. So everybody looks at this American girl. What did you say? She said, I said, Astaghfirullah. They said, why are you saying Astaghfirullah? She said, I thought you guys believe in God. She said, yeah. They said, yeah, we believe in God. She said, well, if God's in the Injil, it's impossible for humans to change God's word. She said to me, they started arguing in Arabic between them. And then the imam, who's from, that, from America, looked at her and says, Okay, Danielle, you're my daughter's friend. We want you to bring 50 Bibles. Everybody's going to get a Bible to read it for themselves. So she was calling me to send her a box of... You know, yeah, in Coldwater, Michigan. You know Coldwater, Michigan? Anybody knows Michigan? There's not much in Michigan. Everything's here. No. <laughs> Anybody likes Michigan State? Oh, Michigan State, oh, I knew you were going to speak up. I knew if there were any fans. Wolverines, yeah. My, my other friend is a Spartan, so. So we have Wolverines and Spartans and, and my friends. But the, the, he's in Coldwater, Michigan. And the nice thing I'm sharing with you is it's not that somebody knew Islam. Nobody, somebody knew what to answer, how to respond in a way to get the right reaction.
the reaction which is we should not attack the Bible. We should not insult God. And I tell people, they don't want to become Christian, don't become Christian. But don't say the Bible is changed. You don't want to read the Bible, don't read it. But you say it's changed. One, that's not, not logical. Two, that's against God in Christianity and against God in Islam. Because Islam is on our side. But, so don't say that. Um, testimony, uh, one more testimony. Um, there's a lot of stories. Thanks for your patience. I was uh, driving um, from Columbus to Indiana, and it was raining cats and dogs. I thought the Noah's going to pass by rowing, so <laughs> I stopped and got some gas and called my wife, said, honey, I'm running late. She goes, don't worry, it's raining here, be careful. So I'm coming out of the gas st the station, and this car pulls up. Three guys come out of the star. The first guy had African look, found out he's Eritrean. He can read Arabic and speak Arabic. Eritrea is in the Horn of Africa. The second guy comes up. He had a white taqiyya, white beanie, beard and no mustache. This means he's Muslim Brotherhood. They're a fanatic Sunni group. And he's from Palestine. I've never been to Palestine. The third guy came out, tall, very nice, handsome guy, dressed. He's Yemeni. The Yemenis are the Italians of the Middle East. Everything has to be just right. So the Eritrean guy is pumping gas. I start talking to the guy with the white taqiyya, because he's acting like the big guy. I said to him, Assalamu alaikum, say wa alaikum salam. I said, it's nice meeting you. I said, my name is Fahad, he introduced himself. I said, I have a gift for you. So I went to my car and brought the Arabic New Testament. Okay? Now I know he's gonna say to me, it's corrupted, right? So I had him for lunch before he had me for dinner. That's a Lebanese saying. I said to him, I wanna give you the Injil, the book of Jesus. God keeps it to enlighten us. Because I said that, he can't say God's book can be corrupted, because then the Quran. So he took the book like this, put it on his chest, he goes, oh, we Muslims love Prophet Jesus. Politically correct. So once he said that, the Eritrean stopped pumping gas, came around the car, pulled the Bible from his hand. He goes, what, the Injil? He pulled it, opened it, and started reading Arabic with a mimic voice, making fun of it. But it opened John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's reading in Arabic, mimic voice, then he starts reading silently. And then he goes, <laughs> then he goes, can I keep the book? <laughs> so I said, to, I said to him, sure, you can keep the book. The Palestinian guy said, no, that's my book. I said, it's okay, I have one for you. I went to the car, brought another one. The Yemeni is the tallest guy. He said, you gave my friends an Injil, what about me? I said, I have one for you too. I'm standing there, gave three New Testaments. They all go to school at IU, Indiana University. And the beauty of it is this. Let's say they don't read it, but their roommate reads it. See, we don't know when you push the issue on this, you don't know how the Word of God moves. A girl in Cairo, Egypt, became a believer, 17 years old. They gave her her first New Testament. She goes home, she wants to hide it. You know, they live in modest quarters. She remembers that her mom has a chest that she puts the blankets in it. So she opens the chest, pulls the blankets to hide the Bible, she finds another Bible there. <laughs> she waits for her mom to come from work. She tells her mom, I found a Bible, I found an Injil. She tells her, yes, I've been a secret Christian for nine years. Nine years. And so the reason I'm sharing these testimonies with you, it's not because it's not hard. You heard me this morning. It's hardworking. It's dark. 
But then you see how God works. It could be one word. It could be one sentence. It could be answering, hey, here's the Bible. One of our staff, she's blonde, blue-eyed, German-American. She got engaged. She has three Saudi friends, one divorced, one married, one single. So, ladies, I love you. You connect. I love listening to my wife talk to her friends. They really connect deep quickly. Have you listened to guys talk? Ten minutes, we're still on the sunroof, right? You know? With women, you guys connect fast. So they're sitting there talking, and they're talking about marriage and romance, and then the Saudis look at the Christian lady and tell her, what do you think you want your marriage to look like? So she has the Arabic-English Bible. She opens it to the love song. Love is patient. Love is kind. She's reading in English, and they're reading in Arabic. Each Saudi girl said, can I get an Injil? They've never heard something this beautiful. And so that's why I'm sharing with you that many times when we shine our light, they are attracted. By the way, this, this staff, she got married, and she and her husband are in the Arabian Gulf. I just visited them. They had another baby. She's doing great meeting people in the Middle East. And she said to me, the hunger is there. They're just many times they're afraid from each other. And that's why we need to pray. We really need to pray for human rights, really. There is a religious apartheid in the Muslim world that's really sickening because you cannot change your religion. Okay, let's take some questions on this. Is that clear? Okay. It's 341, so we can do miracles in 15 minutes. He is just. <laughs> That's why my son's name is Justin. That's his American name. His Arabic name is Adil. So, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Th thank you. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna answer you, you know, serious answer, and kind of a little bit funny answer. But the serious answer is this: um, the the Arab Spring and the fall of Saddam Hussein by the hands of the United States. I was watching television. Al Jazeera, a general from the Egyptian army, as the Americans entered from Kuwait. This is what he said: It's gonna take the Americans three years to three years and a half to get to Baghdad. Americans got there in less than two weeks. I'm watching the guy, the head of the... I'm watching Al Jazeera. I'm an immigrant, you know? I'm watching Al Jazeera television, and the guy, the head of the communication for the Iraqi army, said there are no Marines in Baghdad. And behind them, I see people coming down from the choppers. And, I, and I, I'm like, these, these look like Americans. I mean, I'm an immigrant. And then he was lying. He was telling to the press, no Americans, and it was the 101st Airborne. God bless America. You guys, what they did is they attacked Baghdad and then dropped the Amer 101st Airborne from behind them. So he's arguing like there's no Americans. It's a struggle for us because in Islam we teach that we are a superior army, superior culture, superior religion, and it's spinning out of control. Saddam, who was the Hitler of the Arabs, nobody liked Saddam, but nobody could take him off in two weeks. He was found in a hole. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Saddam is found in a sewer. So the reason I'm sharing with, with you, the average Muslim today, I'm serious, 20-something, 30-something, they know that it, something is wrong. But what is the other option? If I think Christianity is about drinking and womanizing and sleeping around, you know, they think our, the reason I, I ask them to come to church, 
Because I want them to see how we worship because they think we do pagan rituals. You know, one friend of mine invited three Saudis in Atlanta, Georgia, to a, a church that does very seeker sensitive. I can say the name, but I won't say them. Well, they worshiping the Lord, they're very in rock and roll Christian music. And he was afraid that the Saudis might not like it. Well, when they got out, they loved the service, they loved the message, and the guy got on the phone. He called his other Saudi friend to tell him, hey, you should come. They worship God with rock music because you can't use music in the mosque. So what I'm saying is let's shine for, for, for Christ. True, you always have these guys who have issue with America. But in many ways, I think personally, America has done good. Now, the reason I'm praying for the election, I think we need leadership that is strong, and also we need leadership that brings us back to our values. Why do we exist? We cannot have allies. What, uh, I won't say the name. She was saying that these are our allies. We cannot tell them what to do. No, no, we can tell our allies to be like us. Human rights, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. Why should I ally myself with somebody who doesn't believe in that? You know, because if money is our God, then we're going to go down the tank. Right, sir? The, the, what keeps this country, you know, is righteousness. So that's one thing. Now, the funny thing I'm going to share with you was, you know, uh, they think white people are Americans. They don't know that America is a mixed culture. So when you go to the Middle East, generally we think everybody who's blonde, blue-eyed is Christian American. So if you're African-American, if you're Latino, if you're brown-haired, my sister, you look like my cousin. So you come to Lebanon, nobody would think she's American. I mean, the first trip to Lebanon, we had a lady, she's friends with my wife, blue eyes, green, uh, blonde hair. She's on the flight. We're over the Atlantic. She comes to me. She goes, when I get to Lebanon, I won't tell them I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I said, why? You're, they think you're a Christian because you're blonde. Our problem is the Americans, who, you know, white Americans who live like the devil when they come. I said, no, live your Christianity. Say, yeah, you say to you, are you Christian? Yeah, have you heard about my Savior? It's okay. But this, this is the fun part is if we're afraid of sending you know, Anglos from America. Great, there are other cultures. And then what your church is doing by sending people from Albania, from Bosnia, that's even, you know, great. We're sending somebody even closer to the culture. But in, in Lebanon, eight out of ten people speak English. So in Lebanon, I love Americans to come because our culture is very Western-looking, very much. They love America. Our constitution was written in 1943. It's written like United States Constitution. It allows you to change your religion. It's a, it's a very nice document that was written. Our, our problem is the Syrians in 93 made us add an amendment that said that the president has to be Roman Catholic, the prime minister should be Sunni Muslim, the speaker of the house should be Shiite. And that's, many people are not happy with that because that ruined the country. The country had a better future. Okay, any other questions, comments? Yes. Yes, yes, and there's a guy, Saudi guy, who got saved in 2007. He has a YouTube clip now, uh, uh, five years later, about his salvation. There's a Saudi lady also, just came out about her faith. She's covered. So you're right. The YouTube is good. It's also helping in certain areas. Uh, part of the issue now is they're trying to control YouTube in some of the Muslim countries. Uh, so to tell you that we've arrived, no, we haven't arrived. 
Is, is the internet helping? Yes, it's helping. But there's a lot of money spent uh, by the Saudi government, by other governments to block Christian things. However, a lot of these people travel. Travel is getting easier. And so once you're in the West or in areas where it's free, you can download. But uh, that's why part of the reason we're doing like our own channel on, on, on the internet. Yeah, thanks. There, have you looked at multimedia languages? Did you look at multi-language media website? Yeah. And that's expensive there, right? Yeah, only uh, two percent, uh, it's 20 percent of all Muslims are Arabic speakers. So two out of eight Muslims you meet will be able to even read Arabic. The rest, you'll be lucky because a lot of people are even illiterate. Well, okay, there's a, one more thing is we could do is we can give them the Jesus film in their language. So that's a good, a good step. Um, so multi-language uh, multi media was pretty expensive. Oh, wow. What about, uh, did you try Biblica? Biblica.com? Well, you also find if they came to America young, they probably better. Like I had a Saudi who wanted the New Testament in English, not in Arabic, because his Arabic was weak, and he prayed to receive Christ. So I mean, please, guys, don't be um, don't be afraid to give and share. All right, you have my email, FatherCrescentProject.org. You have a website. Um, hopefully, we visit Omaha again. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Let's give him a hand. Thank you.